And as we promised, we are back to continue talking about all of the hot August days of mini golf in the United States and well beyond. And we thought it made perfect sense to start it off talking about our favorite national organization, the American Mini Golf Alliance. And we have a guest. And what I'm going to do is we're going to do quick round of intros since this is a little untraditional way of doing a podcast episode. We haven't done part one, part two things. So I'm Mr. T. You know me from the intro in the last one. A couple of putts helped co-found the AMA, your co-host here on the podcast. And I'm turning it over to Pat. That'd be me, Pat from the Putting Penguin, also your co-host on the podcast. We went through all of my credentials, I think, on the last intro to part one. But here to talk so many more tournaments this time around, which is why we're in a part two. And now we'll let our guest friend of the pod, frequent guest, I believe, at this point of the pod, Mr. Aaron, introduce himself. Hello, everyone. It's Aaron Kaminsky from O Street Mini Golf. Um, yeah, there's just so many tournaments that um, I'm, I'm happy to, to help out and uh, been to a few few of them. So, uh, yeah, excited to talk about uh, like the, the meat and potatoes of the AMA uh, season right now. And we're talking about all tournaments in August. And Aaron played in all three of these tournaments, so it makes perfect sense to talk with him. And the first one, the O Street Open. Aaron, do you know a little bit about the O Street Open? It's I happened might. for a, like 20 years, three, four, <laughs> six years. It's in August, somewhere in the East Coast. Yeah, it's it's gone through a few names, um, but uh, it's now the O Street Open, um, hosted by surprise uh, O Street Mini Golf. Um, it was our thousand dollar tournament for the last four years, um, but we uh, upped the purse by a thousand and uh, ended up doing two thousand, and and ultimately paid down to tenth place. So first place didn't get any more money, but we. We ended up giving more money to more players. Um, and it's the third time in a row that we've had it at tea time. Uh, shout out to Monica, uh, Bob, and, and everyone over there that continue to uh, let us have this tournament over there. Um, but yeah, it, it it was a great turnout. The most players we ever had with, uh, I believe it was 62. And mm-hmm. um lucky with weather as as most um you mm-hmm. know organizers pray for um uh, because god like unless there's lightning you're kind of just gonna keep going and uh mm-hmm. you want to have the most amount of people possible to come out so um it was another great day on the ocean city boardwalk um pat was there we had uh the connecticut connection um come down and uh, uh for the first time ever New Jersey held their own. You it's can't see this, but <laughs> I know, I, yeah. I know, I know. But I feel like if anyone, this is an old, old reference, but if anyone watched like the old, like Pearl Harbor movies, like Toro, 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 um, it's at the end of this movie, it's like we have like awakened a sleeping dragon. And I feel like that's what we did. Like we just like, we got <laughs> the taste of a win and God knows what is going to happen now. We're just going to lose by like double digits 
you know, in, in just like one or two rounds. It's just going to be top 10 for Connecticut next year. Who knows what, but. Um, well, we're going to yeah. see if you can hold your own in Matterhorn in a couple of weeks. That that, that would oh. be the really the real <laughs> test if you guys have turned the corner and we'll turn it back on our own home turf. Yeah, it, who knows? Who knows? I, uh, I'm i not a betting man, so I won't uh, we'll figure out what those odds are. But um, yeah, no, I'm, it, it, it was a great time. Um, I, I finally got into the top five. Uh, I got. I know. Place. I was. I was shocked because you 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 had thought about <laughs> not playing. No, 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 no. You as an organizer, it's really hard to with that kind of chaotic energy on mm-hmm. that. That you've even said that 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 yeah. That's and a I, I talked about Pat about this. Um, like even day of, it was just like you know you're. You're raising you're you're raising money for sponsors. This first year we reach out for sponsors, and um, you know we you want the tournament tournament to be as legitimate as possible. Um, and I'm like always conscious of this, mainly because I get a lot of uh, heat from uh, all the O Street people whenever I win a game because I'm announcing the winners and be like, uh, and Aaron first place. Like I'm pumped. No one else is. <laughs> and it's a little awkward. So, um, yeah, it, it's just, for me, it's probably just like a mental thing, but, um, you know, it's, uh, it was great having sponsors. It obviously helped with our, our purse and, um, yeah, the cherry on top for me personally was getting third place in, and winning in a playoff as well. So, uh, it was, a it was, it was good. It was success all around. Hey, I was pleased you paid down to 10th because, I mean, I still got money sitting in eighth place, so I was happy about that. And you won, if I'm correct, on the playoff against Dave Taroni on the Hippo, one of the doomed holes of Pat that he conquered this past Yeah, year. I finally conquered it. Yeah, and you that Dave got a bad, got the bad rollout, the, the yeah, straight rollout, and it just mm-hmm. shot off the cup instead of going in. And if you go, I believe it was on Pat the AMA Instagram channel where you streamed the so. playoffs and, live. Yeah, and Aaron's and, got it up now on the O Street on YouTube Street. as well. Yeah, and so you can watch the playoffs, and the one and two was pretty wild. Uh, Aaron and Pat talk about that. We had a first place playoff. After the uh, two nineteen two sets of nineteen holes, yeah. Um, so my my cousin, my like youngest cousin Brando, who's come out to a few of the tournaments actually. Um, he's a he's a legit golfer. Um, he was in my group, and we were just back and forth, back and forth. And at the end, his ball drops. Mine did it. He tied in first. Um, and actually, for a little while, I thought he won until. Uh, Landon Weiss, whose uh, brother Griffin won the winter classic and, uh, you know, in the top three, uh, you know, in, in the AMA points, um, Landon also did, um, I think he got third place last year. So like tea time is definitely one of his, his courses that he does well on. Um, but he and, uh, my cousin Brando both, um, tied for first place as well as most home ones i feel like that kind of goes hand in hand last year it was like 14 home ones and yeah Um, i played with landon he was in my group oh yeah 
and he quite like the first round and he shot 32 32 i mean the same as brando did and like i felt like the first round it was a very quiet 32 like he was just kind of putting away and stuff was dropping but the second round he did the same thing that justin seymour did last year and aced the last three holes and i don't know i'd be interesting to see the stats this year for hole 19 because I felt like it wasn't going in as much as it did the year before. So, like, mm. to ace, I mean, 17 and 19 are not easy to ace Mm-mm. at all. And he aced those three to, to finish 32 again. It was pretty impressive. And that was after he took his first three. He took, like, two threes and three holes, like, right before that, too. And those mm-hmm. were his wow. first. Like, it was just such a wild six holes to finish his round. And I was really excited that... And then, you know, that obviously tied and then he went on and won. So, yeah, won both. And I I think that, you know, you get you have that momentum going into it. It's uh, it's kind of tough to to get out of that or get somebody out of that zone. Um, But, yeah, I mean, it's also like the experience of being in a playoff and, you know, kind of the nerves and um, not to say Landon's been there, but I think he's played more miniature golf so he might have been in a scenario like that before or just his pressure putts so i feel like that might have been an advantage with landon over brando which is funny because you teed up exactly what i was going to talk about last year i played with landon griffin and ed weiss Mm -hmm. and landon in the last round he came in third place last year he lost by two strokes here are the two strokes he hit it into the alligator. It rolled out. It did not go in the cup. He hit it on the first shot. Is the only time I've seen it where you get it in the alligator and it doesn't go in the cup. So there's one. Hole 19, he just left it a little short and it rolled back on him. But weirdly, he got the ace on the second shot. So for whatever he's doing on hitting it in 19, that's Got the that second down. year in a row where he was able to get it when it went through the boat on hole 19 to go in. So he saw, so I saw exactly how he lost it last year. And I was like, it was a complete razor's edge. And seeing him duplicate what Justin Seymour did come charging back, and Justin last year needed 19 to force the playoff with Becky, it was just like a deja vu moment hearing that's what happened and Pat describing it. It was Landon is really chill and quiet and, you know, he just keeps going along and you don't even get the feeling that he's playing that level of play because usually you see like a little bit more, Something emotion, excitement, emotion, yeah, yeah, excitement. And he's so like level and chill in it. And I'm sure that's exactly what Pat saw this year and came out on top. And I mean, he might, along with Pat and Justin, are probably the three people that really are owning the O Street tournament. I mean, all three of you have really significant finishes every year that you've played in it and you've all won it and you've all come really close. I, I think you've come close a couple times, haven't you, Pat? You've been like well, last, yeah, last year was fourth. 
Yep. And that it was only what a couple strokes off because it was really close. The year before, I was the first year of tea time. I was kind of far off. I think I was only like fifteenth or something. But yeah, oh last yeah, year, because you you tied me. That's how bad you played that year. <laughs> yeah, last year. I mean, last year I blew a stroke on the hippo. That's right. And I blew a stroke on the alligator because I I went around, but I took a three because I. Mm-hmm. This year, I would. This year, I almost aced it going around in the second, second round. I left it about three inches short off the back boat there. So, but yeah, I mean that's that's this course, right? Like it's so close, and I was just as happy. I mean, where I finished this year, I shot the same exact score I did last year, sixty-eight. I mean, but it was just more. The the scores were lower this year across the board in Mm -hmm. the top. And um, I have to say, you said it was nice weather. It was really hot that day it, it was <laughs> it was very warm <laughs> there wasn't much of a breeze i'll, I'll give you that no. for sure <laughs> uh, i was gonna say that if for for those that are listening and haven't played tea time or haven't watched any videos or anything about tea time uh, it's uh, i'll be honest it's probably not a course you would typically have a mentor golf tournament on because of these uh, ton of hole-in-one opportunities you still got to make your shot, but then there's a lot of chance involved. So um, the uniqueness about this tournament is that, A, you can't mess up. B, you need a little luck. And every, every hole counts. Like not to say that it's not a thing in any other tournament, but I feel like it's so important where like, like you could be down and really like yep. not out of it necessarily, but yeah, you can ace the last four to now put yourself in contention for first place and other people you have a great round and maybe your second round just wasn't enough and you got it in your head. So yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I will say make- as much as there's gimmicky holes, like I, th- I think where it's really making breaking is there's probably a half dozen holes that are very straightforward yeah. or like you're not relying on them. And those are the ones that you have to ace Yep. Mm-hmm. to like keep yourself there because i mean 17 it for all intents and purposes is a flat shot yeah you yeah. know it, it's just it's got some weird breaks and everything 18 is as well and then you think about like the water wheel or even the i was um, gonna say hole two this year yeah. i aced yep. that twice hole two is an easy bounce an e- the yeah. the ferris wheel i i um i aced both times so i, I think there's and they're not they're not the gimme hole. No, ones. they're not. No, you almost mess up on the gimme hole and ones more consistently than some of the other ones that take a little bit more finesse. Yeah, and the I would say that the stronger players are not getting themselves in trouble, and where the players mm-hmm. that are getting all the aces to roll out, they get to the Margate Elvin on two, and they you know end up getting in a bad position and somehow taking a three where the top players aren't taking that. I feel like the giraffe that can happen, and even what is it the uh, the windmill one? Even if you don't know how to play that hole well, you can really put yourself in a bad spot in that weird corner for righties. That you know that for most people, that's going to cost you an extra stroke, and that's that's the difference. Yep. Hey Tom, guess what? what? I still can't figure out hole five, the windmill hole. I still, I still like, I play it every year. Like, I still can't figure that out. I don't Everybody's know. Everybody's got why. one hole on that course. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I still have a few. 
I still like, I was like, oh, wait, maybe I should try this this year. And then it actually worked. I'm like, oh, interesting. I feel like the explosion one, I saw some approaches oh, on it. The dynamite one towards the back half of the course, I didn't have totally down. I think the other one that gave me problems both years that threw me off was the clock. And I still don't know oh, which 16. I like more is going up the ramped, Air, mm -hmm. ramped way or just going through the clock i can see the wisdom in both ways. i saw griffin ace the going through the clock yeah and i haven't seen that ever i'm, I'm not sure if that that happened to anybody else but that, that i was like just like I've sitting come there close. Like, wow i've come close yeah mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. school shop i but, mean in, that's where you wanted like on those holes like the really good players are i mean even pat and i were like why are all these people going so aggressively at the alligator? Like you can get the two hole in ones and walk home easily with them. But if you miss it on that first shot and it starts to get in your head a little bit, or you just get some bad yeah. rolls, taking two twos is going to be better than a one and a four. And Oh, I know someone of, that got a nine this year. Oh, I'm, and I'm not surprised. Yeah. I mean, and it it's an easy like two and it's an easy two that can go, for an ace, it it can get a little dicey on some of those two putts that way. You have to but, make sure you have a good safe shot. Yeah. Because you can put that ball in, in a real bad location if yeah. you're just trying to lay up and now you're at a three or a four. But yeah, it's it's uh, probably, you know, if uh, the tea time uh, uh, gang will keep having us back, we'll keep going back and having a tournament there and uh, probably same time next year second sunday in august so tentatively saved the date for next year but um yeah sweet um shout yeah. out to landon um brando yeah. um for first and second um who else we got Taron dave, dave taroni was four then we had highlighter was highlighter fifth. griffin and griffin weiss and justin seymour tied for sixth Jake and Griffin won the Chipkin. youth division. Yep. Uh, Jake Chipkin and Anna Seymour and Pat tied for eighth. And then we had uh, down the list uh, some folks that people might know. Bill Mezier, who plays the Masters every year. Joey DePrima, Kevin Weiss, uh, the Rundgrens, both uh, Evan's dad, uh, Robin and Robin. Evan. David Biggie, Matt Lyles came down from Connecticut. Uh, last year, second place, Becky and... Uh, Garrett from up, you know, in Connecticut too. Just a lot of people who've come out regularly and just putting in these scores. It's just so fun to see that many people playing in a tournament that was exactly a week after Red Putter where a ton of people played in a tournament. So yeah, there's probably 120 plus unique people between those tournaments separated by a weekend. And then one weekend later, you headed up Bombing to ten. Connecticut uh, while Pat was over in uh, Sweden uh, getting his uh, world championships on, you went to Farmington, a course that Pat has played many times, and you've won there Three how many times? times? Three times. So Pat's defending out of the champ. way. But yeah, you defending still got, champ. Uh, yeah. So he's, so he's got to wait a year to defend. And you head out to Farmington. This is your second time, Aaron, playing Farmington up in Connecticut? 
playing the tournament. Yeah. Um, Pat, I, I don't know how it works. You're probably going to miss the postcard that we all signed after the tournament, but we all thanked you um, <laughs> for not showing up. Um, maybe they can forward that back over. But um, yeah, no, it was, um, I think it was just barely under 40 players in total. Um, yep. Maybe like 38 signed up and maybe 36 or 37 actually played. But um, yeah, I, I you know, I'm going to pass it over to Pat because if you want to just describe the um, course, because it feels like the novelty aspect of tea time, but in like this colonial type of era. Yeah, I mean, it's a uh, we, we've talked about it before. I mean, it's like a 50s or 60s built course. I mean, this was the 42nd year that they've run the tournament, so it's been around for a while. But it has all the the classic obstacles with you know windmill and church doors and lighthouse although you don't actually putt through the lighthouse but it i guess it's got the the more like the putt putt kind of thinner felt for the most part and the weird thing about that course is it's got kind of this pitted concrete walls to it so one of the things that is difficult there is that your bank shots are really not super consistent when you have to make them. And there's a few that you have to rely on, but it it's really hard to score consistently round over round over round there. Like you'll see, you know, a lot of times somebody will shoot like a 46 and then like a 38 and then come back with like a 40. Like there's yeah, they the shoot people, 49 and, and then 35. Right, yeah, look at the score. Yeah, the lowest score, yeah. And then you will see if you if you can keep that band kind of narrow and towards the top, those are the scores that end up being at the top of the, the leaderboard because it's just so hard to do that consistently. And yeah, I mean, and even like Kyle Corsi, 39, 45, 42. I mean, that's like the normal in there, but that kind of 120 ish range, 120, mid 120s is usually where you see the, the scores. So, I mean, so that's what it's set up. So it's not, and it makes it hard for people to win consistently. I mean, I've been lucky that I won three out of four years, but like, I mean, Justin, Highlighter, all of us have been like in the top five and way out of the top five, depending on the year. So it's an interesting tournament from that perspective. Yeah, I mean, I I know last year, um, I mean, my, my balls were just popping off the course. I mean, you can get like a really bad break off um, some of those, like it, that rough con- concrete wall. Um and and my strategy this year going into it was just hitting it a little lighter and mm. just maybe laying up a little bit more and giving myself a shot. I mean, there's still some like funky breaks around the hole, but um, yeah, I, I was, uh, I'll put it this way. It was better than last year uh, driving up after uh, a wedding that Evan and I did had an hour and a half uh, nap. And then drove through the night, slept in the parking lot, and played. I, I don't. I think I got like tenth last year. But um, no, like talking to uh, a good amount of the players during the tournament. Every, you're right, Pat. Like everyone was kind of all over the place. Maybe a few people had a good opening round, and then it evened out for their second round, and then the third round. It was you know still very very close where it was anyone's game. Um, I know 
uh, Scott, and Scott is a local guy. Farmington, yeah, correct. Scott Logano. Scott Logano. Yeah, he's played yeah. many years um, mm-hmm. off and on. Has always been relatively towards the top. Yeah. Um, but yeah, him and I had identical scores. Um, and it was just that third round that, um, you know, it was, he, he, he crushed me on that. Um, and I think I was only one stroke. I ended up getting second place, but I was only one stroke ahead of a tiebreaker for third. And funny enough that, um, (laughs) no one knew who won. So it was like, Mm -hmm. oh, I guess Aaron might have won. Like we didn't hear anyone else put up a better score. And I wish I was like a fly on Scott's shoulder because everyone's kind of like talking around and he must have known. He's like, yeah, I shot 118. (laughs) Just kind of like reveling in it. Just like, yeah. Until like we ultimately found out, I'm like, all right, well, there's a playoff for third place. I only one by one stroke so either someone's tied with me and i don't know i'm playing a playoff or someone beat me and obviously we uh ended up finding out scott shot the 118 and uh a nice uh nice win yeah and it's funny because it's very much like the red putter where they're Red Putter, I think, is celebrating their 50th anniversary as a course next year. So it's also that older course with that more traditional kind of felt carpet. And it's three rounds. And when everybody finishes, they're like, who won? And people are kind of sharing their scores. And I think I'm in it. I'm I'm not sure whether I'm in it. And then there's usually, you know, three rounds. I think Pat's talked about this with Matterhorn. It happens pretty consistently at Red Putter. And as we saw it happen again with Farmington, where you have these playoffs for the money spots or the top three spots, because it just gets that close with that few rounds and skilled players. And yeah, you came in second, Aaron, only by uh, three strokes. And then uh, Matt Lyles, uh, who had a great AMA season last year, uh, tied with Josh Kestenbaum and lost in a playoff that I believe was broadcasted on the putting penguin or yeah was, Matt, that was Matt. nine holes did they play it was yeah it was that's the crazy thing about that is for first place they play an 18 hole playoff and then for the other ones it's it's nine holes so i remember that now that you say that i remember last year thinking that was bonkers yeah because there was i think highlighter the year he won, had an 18 hole playoff to win the tournament. Jeez. We got that, I think, somewhere on one of the Putting Penguin feeds at yeah, the Matt, end of the day. Matt was up, I think, two strokes after like the third or fourth hole. And then the hole six, you're putting uphill and it's kind of like the hole in one shot drop down. I believe that, yeah. Um, Matt's ball just kept rolling back, rolling back. I think he ended <laughs> up getting a true six on that, but his two-stroke uh, swing just completely flipped and that was pretty much the the game right that there. that sucks too because that is such like a potentially aceable hole mm. this year is very aceable i yeah, aced that all three in a row and last year i don't I, I did the same thing and i don't think they dropped at all it's worn in after they put in new carpets it took a little while for that like line to come out of the pipe to yep. to, to rewear but um before we get off farmington we could do we got to shout out mandy yes. yeah yeah mandy Fifth, which was by far her highest 
finish in that tournament ever. Yeah. Um, so super psyched to see how she did. And her final round that was a 38, which is pretty good on that course. Yeah. She, she, that's the highest she's finished in an AMA tournament up to date too. She tied with uh, Trevor Mays and then the three-way tie for seventh, Kyle Corsi, who we talked about in the last episode, winning up in Maine. He tied Justin Seymour and Joy DePrima for seventh. And then we had Mark Novicki, Ed Weiss, and Griffin Weiss not too far behind it. I believe Jacob Yale is one of the people that plays regularly over at Matterhorn as well. Yep. So we had some other, you know, familiar names. Nathan Fournier from uh, up in Maine came down. And just looking down the list, you know, it's nice to see a lot of familiar last names. You had lots of family members playing together. But also with that list, you also have a lot of people that traveled from out of town. You have people from Maine. You had people from New Jersey. I I believe the Weisses are either in New Jersey or New York. So, Jersey. Uh, yeah. So that to me in itself with the AMA stuff and wanting to really grow these tournaments, just fantastic to see another 37 people in a tournament and probably not that big of a crossover in all three of these uh, AMA tournaments that we've been taught or four tournaments that we've been, we've talked about already. So kudos to everybody and just really exciting uh, seeing the, I think just people traveling and connecting and I'm betting that most of these people are traveling just because they like, being around some of these other people. I'm sure the Weisses at this point are very familiar with Pat and Justin <laughs> Seymour and Anna Seymour and Aaron and that whole crew. And you start to feel more comfortable and it becomes this environment where there's like a sense of camaraderie and all those people, if you show up to a tournament, they're all going to be excited to see you there. If you've never played any of these tournaments, it, I think people might be like, who's this? But I, I promise you, if you show up to these tournaments, it's going to be more like who's this because it feels like a small family but underneath that is excitement because everybody's excited to see more people are finding out about these tournaments so um yeah and just seeing people improve mandy crushing it to finish she just went dropped four strokes from her first round in her second round and then dropped another three strokes that's 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 what you like to have for a day where you just start out and it doesn't feel as good as you can be improve and then you improve that's kind of i don't know for me that's a good day i where it really stinks and i feel the worst is where it starts good and then it's just like (laughs) yeah downhill (laughs) yeah you want to finish on a high note if you can right regardless of what your final finishing place is you want to feel like you you walked away on a high note and then was it the exact following weekend Aaron or was there a weekend off in between it was exact following weekend you traveled again yeah. uh, I'm, I'm laughing because I, I was like all right wait after the league CO Street Open and then the AMA season and I'm like I don't have a day off until like weekend truly off from like miniature off until October 14th or the weekend of that and then I was thinking, like, wait a second, when did like things start picking up? And it was like the spring, like, yeah. like April. So it was like April to October. Every weekend, I've been doing something venture out. But now, tournament season, it is. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it was um, wasn't exactly 
um, seven days or six days because the tournament was on Saturday. Yep. But um, yeah, went up to the shack at, uh, I believe it was Mannheim, PA. Mannheim, Pennsylvania. Yeah. And uh, Lancaster, Lancaster, however you want to say country. Um, yep. while, while we were playing, I, we saw some, uh, uh, or at least I saw some Amish people or Mennonites. Um, but it, yeah, it, it, you're driving through like the downtown area and, uh, like every place felt like a different world. Like you go to Ocean City, you go to, you know, Farmington and then you go to Mannheim. It's, uh, very different, uh, environments and they're all unique and, and fun. Um, but the shack is, I mean, it probably rivals Lily, but I can't think of any other course on the tour um, or on our schedule that is this difficult. Um, starting off, there's no stroke limit. Oh, so wow. Good luck. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's why really some of the scores are that high. Uh-huh. Yeah. You really can uh, add them. Yeah. I thought 10 stroke limit was pretty bad. Um, but none, 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 none. Yeah. It can get, uh, very, very difficult. But yeah, what's so tricky about the course is not only is it long and massive, but, um, the breaks, I mean, you could just be putting back and forth at this hole, um, three or four times. And you're just, I'm trying to do like, a little degree. All right. I'm going to aim a little bit closer. I'm going to aim a little bit closer to the hole because I know it's breaking to the right. And I'm just, I'm, I'm not executing that. I know everyone else is having a difficult time. And that's just from like the side of the hole. If I'm putting up, I just didn't give it enough. It hit right at the hole and then rolled all the way back to three feet from where I started. Um, also there's metal cups. So that's, that's mm. one once you get to the hole. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then your ball can go out of bounds a lot. Um, so mm. even though this sounds like a, a ton of negatives, um, it's, it makes you think you start really getting into some strategy, almost like, um, put, put you comes to mind where like you mm. got to lay up and you're like, all right, what's my next shot here? Um, and how do I not, have this ball roll all the way back to the beginning do i want to go for this risky shot is it worth it so mentally i'm I'm like just trying to figure out what what to do and not just like i'm going to put it straight at this thing and it's going to pop out that way so you know august three very unique different courses and i feel like the shack you're just trying to survive trying to make sure that you have a decent score um, it's only two rounds. It feels like 20 <laughs> because of uh, how long it is. And it's actually 19 holes like, um, tea time. So, well, well um, considering you high. shot in your first round, the same score that we shot for two rounds, <laughs> tea time to win. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It does seem like you're playing four rounds. The top score at the shack was 22 strokes higher than three rounds at the red putter. Wow. Amazing. I lo- love these stats. Um, yeah. And, and Scott Klein's the, the organizer out there, um, uh, him and, uh, I believe it's Kelsey and Kelsey uh, Klein, Scott Klein and yeah. Kelsey Klein. One, and, two. and, Matt, um, Mattingly or yep. Maddie as he goes, uh, 
Yeah, so Scott and his kids are just absolutely deadly when it comes to this course. They know this course inside and out. Um, and uh, yeah, some familiar faces, uh, David Biggie, uh, Jared, Jared Mutter. Um, John Holland. John Holland was there as well. Bill Mazier. Um, Bill, yep. So yeah, definitely some familiar faces. We had uh, a few people from the O Street Open actually uh, come out and, and play. That I guess they live close by. Um, there was an amateur division, which is nice. It was only one round for the amateur division. And then if you wanted to you really take a shot at pros, you would play the two rounds. Um, to my surprise, after the first round, and uh, I was really just going there to have fun. And maybe that's why I was leading after the first round. Um, I think many people were shocked, including myself. Uh, and that did not last long. Uh, uh, pretty much when we hit hole one for round two, I shot a five. Everyone else shot a two and three. And Whoa. my lead was yeah, gone. That, that'll flip it Like fast. that. Like that. Yeah. So, um, and then I, I was playing, I played with Scott both rounds and um, I really got to see him just turn it on. He yeah. beat me. Every, he, he took a stroke uh, uh, from me every single hole. Hole two, he took two. Sorry, hole one, he took two. Every single hole, except maybe I think I beat him on hole nine and maybe we tied on one other one. But um, yeah, he was like, I, I blink and he's up like five or six strokes on me and he did not let up on the back nine. And um, yeah, he, he absolutely crushed it. Kelsey, his daughter, you know, had a, a good first round. She had an even better second round. Um, and I think, Tom, we were talking before um, we got started and those were the two lowest rounds of yes. the tournament that they put yep. up. So, yeah, I mean, when, when you're shooting in the low sixties, you're, you're doing, you're doing something right. Yeah. And if you look at the rest of the field, besides you, there was only one other person that scored in the sixties, the second round, everybody else okay. was in the seventies or higher, but what I really loved was is this has sort of been like a really good test where we had Scott Klein that kind of came to us. I had met him at the Masters back in 2021, and I believe that was 21. Yeah, it had been 21. I played with him a few rounds, and he came. him and Bill Mezier came over to our Mount Atlanticus thing, and he said, hey, we got this wild course up in Mannheim, PA. I'd love to run a tournament. And it was a bit into the 2022 season, and we had seen what happened when we had tried to work with people that had never run a tournament before. And you run into all sorts of kinks that you have to work out before you really know what you're doing. And I just said, run it one year. I'll give you all the advice in the year. We'll talk about it on the podcast. We'll share out and let people know about it, but just run it, make it happen. It doesn't matter how many people showed up. And, you know, I think he had two or three amateurs and like maybe six or so pros. You might know the the number better, Aaron, but whatever it was last year in total, I'm pretty sure he more than doubled it. And part of yeah, it I was... Yeah, I only saw five. 
last year and yeah. I think we had over 15 pros yep. in that. That was just the pro division. Yeah. And there was seven amateurs too, which is really great. And that is uh, one of the events that updated with a few photos and you can go check it out on the AMA website in the event section. All of the past events, if you just go down and search a bit, will be down there. And the nice thing you can see in there that Scott did before the tournament last year that we kind of ask all of the people putting on tournaments to do is we don't care what the quality looks like. Just make some videos, give share some photos, give people a flavor of what the course looks like. And he did that. So I'm, I'm glad to see it paid off. He really worked hard and thought through what he wanted to do. It was super intentional. And I was really just stoked to see how many people showed up and were traveling. And the nice thing was I would bet that more than a few people were looking at that at this point in the AMA season with the different scoring tiers that I believe aside from dolphin, which is a 10 round tournament is the last East coast red tournament. Now, if you're looking at your options, Am I going to spend a weekend up in Maine and have to play two days and 10 rounds? Or am I going to go check out something new? And I think the adventurous types like you, Aaron, you did that. And I think that's awesome just because then we also get more people that are really involved in traveling, hearing about this tournament and getting out there. And hopefully it just keeps growing for them. Yeah. I mean, the, um, I, I, I wish I had more time to stay out there. Um, I know Biggie and his wife, Melissa, you know, stayed for the weekend. They got to play a bunch of different courses and it's a beautiful area. Ocean city is a similar situation. And I went up to Farmington with uh, Joey DePrima and, you know, we're hitting up breweries and coffee shops and you, you make a fun weekend out of it. You get to see what the area has to offer. You're not just going to see, you know, some familiar faces, but you can just have a fun weekend in, um, an area where hopefully you could just like drive up to it. it's still some distance. I mean, um, Mannheim was about, about three hours for me. Um, Farmington's about three and a half, four hours. Um, so there's still some significant driving, but, um, you know, you're not, you're not flying. You don't need to fly. You just take your car and, uh, you stay overnight one night. And, um, it's a pretty, uh, affordable mini road trip or a little weekend getaway. Um, but yeah, I, I was going to just talk about how, uh, well, take tea time out of it, but Farmington and even um, uh, Matterhorn coming up, you know, for someone like myself, last few years or last year, at least, you know, I, I never played Farmington. So it was very, very intimidating playing the course. Um, Matterhorn, I think it was my second tournament that I played. And I just wasn't, uh, some of the holes were still a little intimidating for me going into a, a tournament on a course that you're, you don't play on a regular basis, but at least a little familiar with, um, the, the nerves kind of go away a little bit. You feel a little bit more confident. Um, the shack was extremely intimidating, uh, just every day, but playing it for the first time. But if you're looking to go to some of these tournaments and you're like, man, I don't have a shot to win. You might, you might surprise yourself. Everyone's yeah. dealing with the same conditions. Um, and you know, you, you go there, you know, one, two more years, you start realizing that and you're like, oh, I, I know the shots. 
I might have what it takes, you know, or work my way up. So play your own game. You know, you're, you don't have to go against the, the top person at that tournament, just better your score. And more importantly, have a good time. Yeah. And not, I mean, he's underselling it a little bit, but those showings and all of those three tournaments, plus earlier in the year at the winter classic coming in third as well, gives Aaron a four event four podium uh showing for the year which means he got bonus points in all of the different tiers and i believe he's the only one to have done that which unsurprisingly puts him at number one for the ama season so far and if you look down the list the rest of the people you have griffin weiss who's played in all three tiers one one had great showings in the other Matt Rolstad played in all three tiers, had pretty good showings. Gary Hester's probably had the best showing where he's like three and one uh, in the two tournaments that he showed up in. And I think we'd all agree that uh, Gary's pretty high up there. Justin Seymour, Mick Cullen, myself, Joey DePrima, Landon, and Weiss, and Mark Novicki, and Pat, Tom Schweiss, Matt Krause, Matt Lyles, Kyle Corsi go down the list it's all of those people have played multiple tournaments in multiple tiers and that's a lot of what makes this up the cool thing is is the in real life in person events season isn't really that close to being over we'll talk about this in a little bit after we bid adieu to uh Aaron but we have one two three four five six seven in-person tournaments and we have plans to do a uh, second version of or a second run of the virtual tournaments on putt 18 and walkabout so lots of points to be earned but i know that aaron's gonna be playing in quite a few of these coming up so folks want to go out there and uh try to unseed him uh the gauntlet is out there and the points are there to be one you get some podiums and you get some bonus points you 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 give yourself a chance if you played in all the tiers yeah i um I, not to uh for me personally i'm having probably one of the best mini golf seasons i've had in uh probably ever uh, and i don't know if i've been able to test my skills this much at you know, the variety of different tournaments and, and, and fields that, um, you know, the, these AMA tournaments provide. So, um, you know, even like a top five finish at, um, uh, the world crazies as well. So, um, you know, the, the prize money isn't, isn't massive for anyone if they're like, <laughs> maybe I should get into venture golf and like start <laughs> earning some money, but all kidding aside made over a thousand dollars. Nice. Yeah. So like, like that, like, I'm like to put, put that in perspective, I'm just like, okay, like it might break even, uh, this, this year <laughs> with all the traveling and stuff, but it's nice because like, if, if there is some money up for grabs, I, I, I know the two of the two of you guys, as well as probably a majority of the people that are going out these tournaments, the hardly anyone's going out there for the money. Like you want to yeah. win you want the glory, you know? Um, and if it could pay for some of your trip for me, that's, that's a bonus. 
Um, so it's, you got to show up, you got to give yourself some time to practice. Um, and hopefully it's your day and maybe it's not, but you had a good time. That's, that's really, like I said, that's all that matters. Well, and we talked about this a little bit in part one too. I mean, you got to remember most of the world doesn't play for money when it comes to competitive mini golf. It mm -hmm. is all about playing for the wins and to, to have your name on whatever it is. I mean, some of these places you come and play Matterhorn, even in the amateur division, if you win, I mean, she's got the, the trophy and the, the plaque that's in the clubhouse sort of thing. You know, you become part of the history of some of these courses as well. Not only what we're doing with the AMA and trying to publish that out too. So, I mean, it, it's just something that, if there's a competitive streak in you, you just want to do it. And I think Aaron, you played it out really well in terms of, I mean, every tournament I've ever played playing on a course for the second time. I think about the two times I played us opens that were on courses for the second time. I improved massively. I mean, the masters is a huge thing here is that you, like you almost do have to go into your first time at a new course and just be like, this is a learning experience and maybe you will do well. I mean, there's, you know, natural talent and stuff, but like you even talked about it with the Farmington stuff. Some of it's not playing against the other people. It's managing the course. It's knowing mm -hmm. not just what the shots are, but when to go for the shots, when to, to lay it up. If we talked about it with tea time, like how do you manage mm -hmm. that? And you don't get that from watching videos you know, you don't get that from practice necessarily. I mean, you do obviously build some of the reps, but you really only get that from the game time conditions and everything. And I think that's something that I think we're really happy, Tom, you alluded to it in terms of the, the number of people, the unique players, we're seeing people come out and build it over the past couple of years. So I think there is something that people are latching on to that, that you know, you can do this and for mini golf, right? It can be a lifelong learning commitment, right? Like, I mean, we are still well below <laughs> the prime of most mini golfers um, in terms of age and stuff. So it's, it's nice when you see that story actually play out in the numbers and our experiences, and then obviously get to talk about it here and share it with the people who haven't been out there yet. So, yeah, I guess uh, Aaron has to leave us because We've kept him from his dinner, but we're going to see him very shortly at Matterhorn on September 16th for the Pro-Am. Probably do something around there, I would bet, with both of us and probably Aaron talking about the course and the tournament. So you have that to look forward. But uh, thanks for coming on, Aaron, and looking forward to seeing you again this time in the united states and not over in the uk <laughs> yeah yeah that'll our first uh hang in the states will happen a few months after we actually saw each other for the first time this year in europe that's absolutely ridiculous but now always a pleasure being on um i appreciate the the shout out for my uh current ranking at the ama but um i i know all the players up there and um my uh short little uh 15 seconds of uh fame uh in the spotlight might not be uh lasting much longer so i'm gonna give it all i got and uh we'll, we'll see what happens at the end cool thanks aaron thanks aaron see you guys all right so we've we've gotten through all the ama stuff thanks again to aaron for stopping by for a little bit to talk through these and 
we still got a few more tournaments to, to run through here across the, both the country and the world, and then we'll, we'll talk a little bit about what's coming up. But the, the first one was the latest in the World Putting League event, and this one actually happened the evening of the 13th. So I was listening to it as I was driving home from Aaron's tournament in New Jersey because I didn't want to miss any of the, the action, but this was... At Mossy Creek, which was this is the first time that they've moved it off of the Myrtle Beach courses, um, and, and this will not be the last time we talk about Mossy Creek here in the next few minutes because of some of the other tournaments. So it's a a course that's familiar to a lot of players. They held the U.S. Open last year. They've had some other tournaments there for the past two, three years. Um, and it was also the first that had a, another corporate sponsor. So this was the Tennessee Shine Invitational, as you can imagine, Tennessee Shine being Moonshine, uh, which was pretty fitting for the location there. Um, and we had another new format for this uh, again. So this was a, a 1v1 uh, with, with four players. So we had um, the Sly Mongoose, Joey Graybill, who's coming off of, three previous wins on the WPL. Uh, he was going up against in a head-to-head match against Michael Rutledge. And then on the other side of the bracket, Olivia Prokopova came back to the WPL and she was up against Rainey Statham. And so you got a couple Masters U.S. Open winners there on one side. Uh, Michael had done very well in one of the previous WPL events up against Joey on the other side, and a course that is, you know, really different than the other Masters courses that they've played too, because there's a lot less ace opportunities. Um, it was a lot more managing your deuce shots. I mean, there was a couple mm-hmm. holes, and we saw people get in trouble on a couple of those holes, which really we had never seen before in these events, right? Because Aloha is pretty straightforward. Rumble, there's a couple of holes where that could happen, but you didn't really see it from the top players. So it was uh, it was fun to watch this. You know, Joey ended up winning his. Rainey ended up winning his. And so now you've got this head-to-head matchup uh, between two guys who've won both U.S. Opens, Masters, PPA titles, and... Man, I don't know how Joey does it, but he has now won his fourth WPL event in a row. Um, you know, I guess we could talk a little bit about this too when we get into the Tennessee Open, but he has had success on this course in the past as well, and I mm-hmm. think he's got more familiarity than Rainey on it. But it was a it was a really interesting match. It was interesting to see how they attack some of those different holes. But you definitely got the point. I don't know. It was probably about like halfway through that final round where Joey was just like rolling along and you know it was watching the live odds start to reflect that yeah pretty much he was probably going to walk away with this one so it was really interesting i don't think we've heard anything else on the next event because i think we still have two more right there was seven i think that they said maybe they were contracted for they had talked about trying to get through during the year so this has been five um, I would assume we're going to see something in September as the lead up to the Masters. But, um, you know, we always post it as soon as we hear it. So keep an eye on our social medias and we'll get that out there as soon as we hear something. Yeah. And it was uh, interesting seeing a tournament with those players in real time on a Harris course mm-hmm. where it's a much more traditional, commonplace course that you'll see all around the United States. I think even in the 
our local league folks had been talking about there's one out in Big Lake, Minnesota, and Buffalo, Minnesota, and people were talking about how well they play. And there's one even up in Duluth, the Rogue Eagle, um, and a Harris course that will be one of the last tournaments of the year, Salty Seagull up in Door County and Sturgeon Bay. They're kind of all over the place, and they are courses that are going to probably look more familiar and play more familiar than Aloha and Rumble, which is a nice thing for people to see. I will say that Kyle did an amazing job working with Harris to really get a challenging, unique playing course, and it was really fun seeing it. I I immediately felt like afterwards, I more than I already felt, I need to get down to play at that course. But uh, yeah, Pat, keep it going. We're going to stay down. Uh, We're going to stay at Mossy for- Creek because we had the, the Tennessee Open, um, which was the weekend of August 26th. And it's an event I've been trying to get to, but as you've heard for the past two episodes, there's so much going on in August with all of our own events here. But um, they actually have a couple events that they run over the weekend. They have a stroke play event on one day and then they do a match play event on the the second day. So um, in the stroke play, I mean, we're going to go through a bunch of names here that are extremely familiar, but I actually was very interesting because I don't know if Randy's played in some of the previous Tennessee Opens. I'm assuming he played Mm -hmm. in the U.S. Open when it was down there, but Masters champ Randy Reeves, number one spot there. He bested uh, Gary Hester. I mean, (laughs) who else is going to be at the top of some of these things? Mr. Sly Mongoose was third on the on the stroke play, so clearly taking what he had learned just from a couple weeks earlier on that course in the, the WPL and bringing that forward. And then we had a, a tie for fourth, which a couple names I didn't recognize, and I'll probably slaughter how they're pronounced, but Jason Robbie and Joey Baldassano. And then a friend of the pod, Fred Stewart, was tied for sixth with Josh Janik, and I know Fred... Really enjoys going down to that course. I mean, I, again, you mentioned Kyle putting together that course. I've heard nothing but great things about how he runs his competitions and everything, which is another reason why I want to go down there. Um, overall, they had, was it, I think it was 42, 43 competitors um, that played there for the stroke play. And then when we went into the match play results, I don't think we've seen a full um, bracket and how this played off. But the important thing is that Joey wins again, and this was a familiar sight. He's won match play before there. Obviously, we just said he finished the WPL. So, um, you know, it'd be interesting to see if Joey starts to think of Mossy Creek as one of his favorite courses. I know he talked about the Masters one when we had interviewed him a little while ago, but this one's got to be rushing up to the top the way he's been uh, putting up wins and podiums here. Yeah, and what I love to see is that they have a really good field of competitors and that Kyle's really built up a huge local base that traveled for the Putters League tournament and got to meet a bunch of them over in Atlanta. And one of them that had traveled up there that's also an AMA member, Susan Crane, she won the Women's Championship out of the Tennessee Open uh, and make sure to mention the amateur division champ, Dustin Tefta. Tefteller? 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 Uh, We butchered your name, Dustin, but that has nothing to do with uh, how we feel about how awesome it is that you took the Amateur Division Championship. We just love seeing that. Kyle really cares about the game. He really cares about 
things being done right. I know with the Putters League and with the Tennessee Open, they've been using an app called Squabbit to do real-time scoring. I've used it, it's, and it's pretty fun. I hope they keep it up. I know they have one more Southern Swing event at Danny Baddeley's home course in, is it, where is it in North Carolina? Uh, yeah, Lakeview Putt and Play in Arden, North Carolina. Arden, yeah. And so I, I love seeing that there's that little warm-up to that event. I think there's different parts of the seasons. We talked earlier about putt-putts kind of wrapping up right now. AMA is sort of ramping up to some big finishes, and it really just goes like August through September and now into October. And... Yeah, I think this little swing down in the south leading up to the Masters, which is kind of the end of the southern half of the United States season for mini golf is really nice to see. And I hope I hope Kyle keeps doing this. I know that the Tennessee Open last year was also the U.S. Open, but it seems like it's something he's just going to run year after year. And it's become an event and it's not really it's like unaffiliated and they've got just as many of their own folks doing it. So kudos to them and hope they keep that going. Just wanted to make a mention because we've talked about the city golf events. They had events in early August on the 5th and 6th at the Botnia course in Finland. And then on the 19th and 20th of August, uh, Pat's going to pronounce the name of (laughs) this uh, mini golf club because he was just over in Sweden. So he's going to totally pronounce this right. Man, I have no idea where to start with this one. It's It's probably something like Ordenskull. Like, you know, it's it's one of those ones that is not pronounced all the way. Something like that. Uh, But uh, I don't have the full leaderboards for them, but the big takeaway from it, Kevin Sundstrom won both. He is going to finish the City Golf Tour as the number one ranked player. He won more events than anybody else. He played all of them along with uh, Eddie Soderlund and a number of other players. They're all going to be advancing to the championship in Aquim in Sweden on the 9th and 10th. We have talked about that before. There's a bunch of wild cards, including Mike Johnson, who played at the World Championship, Sevi Kukielka, Daniel Valchek. I think there are some surprise players, Tim Talley. I think there was somebody from Finland that made the cup cut as well for the championship, but there's going to be uh, quite a few players. I believe it's somewhere around 36, the top 36 players from the tour, plus then all the wild cards. Sadly, I looked at the rankings. I <laughs> I did not get enough you, you did not make it too high. <laughs> I did not make it too high being in the lower, lower quartile of the event that I played in uh, back in Soonbyberg way back at the end of April and you know it is what it is I look back at my scores and I still didn't feel like I played as bad as it felt playing against all the Swedes who just they're good at mini golf folks if you're going into a tournament with a bunch of Swedes 
and you want to bet, always bet on yourself to play well. But if really money's on the line, probably should hedge your bets just a little bit. They're good. They're good. And they've been that way for the 20 years that I've played competitive mini golf. So I'm sure they'll be that way for the next 20. And then I guess one more thing that we didn't even have, I didn't throw on the run of show, but I should mention it because we've been trying to cover it, is the Moravia Adventure Golf Masters. Oh, yeah. Was held, uh, what was that, last weekend? No, the weekend before that, the 19th and 20th. Yeah, because it it's part of the World Adventure Golf it's Tour. Called World Adventure Golf Tour. Um, and that and it's was, at Brno. Yes, that one was at Brno. So it was, and it, it used the, it used two courses, one of which was the Minecraft course, basically. Yes. The Adam course is the Minecraft course that I really want to play that is not going to be at next year's Wag, Wagam. The Eve course they played at the Moravian Open and will be at Wagam next year. The Venus course, the third course there, is the other one that's going to be played in Wagam. And it was Martin Scopey? Probably pronouncing that wrong. Um, but whatever. I'll let you take that one. Yeah, I'll, t- I'll take the bullet for that one. Martin, you did a great job. You won five-stroke winner, so automatically punched his ticket to the finals. And I mean, I guess we can, do we have any other tournaments we've got to cover before we get into what's coming up? It feels like we've been doing this for seven hours now and it's only probably two or three. No. And I mean, I don't think we'll really talk much about some of the things that are upcoming pop stroke tour championship is coming up the end of October. The masters is coming up the beginning of October. We're both going to be going and we'll be talking a ton about that. I think we're just going to really wrap up talking maybe a little selfishly about the upcoming well, AMA before, Yeah, before I get into that, I do. I will talk about the two upcoming, the other two upcoming WMF World Adventure Golf Tour events before we get to the Matterhorn one because this so coming Skagum? weekend is the Swedish Adventure Golf Masters. Yeah. So Sagam and then the Sagam. weekend after is Skagum the Slovakian Adventure Golf Masters. So we're actually going to have three weekends in a row with those two. And then the one that we will be talking about coming up here with Matterhorn of WMF Tours. But um, yeah, before we get to that, I guess the the other AMA event, the next one that is coming up, we Aaron alluded to a little bit when we were talking about traveling around the Northeast. We have the Lee Stoddard Dolphin Open, which is... The Red Tournament, it's up in Booth Bay. It's the weekend of September 9th and 10th. That's the one that's 10 rounds. So you play eight on one day, two on in Sunday. In Maine. It's a great weekend. Beautiful time to be in Maine right after Labor Day. So a lot of the tourists are gone. Things are quiet. The weather can be all over the place. But the interesting part about this, I guess the two interesting parts is... One, the course has been recarpeted, which it hasn't been recarpeted in a long time. And it's actually recarpeted hmm. a couple of the more famous holes that had um, like even different carpet with the blue carpet. So what I've heard is that it's right now playing a little bit slower and is a little bit more forgiving than it has been hmm. in the past. So it'll be really interesting to see what the scores end up doing with that. And then I heard a rumor that Justin Seymour isn't showing up, which means we may have an open title chase There as well. Justin's been battling a back problem all year, which is still impressive as well as he's been playing in the tournaments. And so here he might be skipping out this one to 
the double up on Matterhorn a little bit. And it sounds like, see, this is this is how you know mini golf has definitely become a sport, right? Because now we got people skipping events because of injuries, trying to pick the right ones to play, just like the PGA. And it's and it's smart. And the, the Dolphin Open is one that I definitely have on my list to make a weekend out of it. I would love to do a little bit of a road, like a, I guess it wouldn't be a road trip. I'd be just taking a general little vacation where I would start in Booth Bay and end up at Matterhorn. The hard part is, is that we have Matterhorn in the 16th, which I'm sure we'll do a pod in advance of uh, Dolphin Open. It's an older course. Pat's done some videos. It's super cool. And then and that's followed the same time that the Matterhorn is happening. The miniest open qualifying starts and it goes through the 23rd. And then we have the Branson open that's on the 23rd of September itself. Then on the 24th of September is the championship, the top 25 qualifiers in pro division and that are under par and the top six players in the amateur division. That'll be the first time happening at the miniest open. That'll be happening and then following that, we have a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, you can go on the AMA website to check out Salty Seagull. We'll talk about them all. One thing that I got is new news. Pat might not even know this. Corey Klotz, our organizer for the putters tournament that's happening in Newark, Ohio, he sent me a note saying that the property is under contract contingent on on inspections to be sold to an investment firm. And so the 28th, that tournament might be the last event to happen at that course, which is a huge bummer to way to like end the AMA season. But for other people, maybe you haven't done well in a red tournament or you just want an excuse to get out and play Get your butt to Newark, Ohio. I was looking at it on a map. I was like, Columbus, Ohio. I wonder what flights look like there. I don't know if I'll make it, but it's a putt-putt course. It's the first putt-putt uh, style course on the AMA circuit. It used to be a putt-putt fun center. Looks super cool. There's a couple photos up on the events page in that. But I wanted just to mention that. We'll talk more about those tournaments in general, but... If you haven't uh, played that course and had thought about it, might be one of your last chances to uh, get it in. Uh, and hopefully they can go out with a bang. But I guess in some ways we're honored that we get to be part of the history of it for better or worse. The fall and August are just really, really busy. We are finishing this podcast literally under the wire of August, I think we're going to finish here like with a half an hour to spare in Pat's time <laughs> with this recording on the hot August days of mini golf, which have just been out of control. Any thoughts on those upcoming tournaments that we kind of blew through? No, I mean, I'm, I'm obviously looking forward to playing Dolphin. That's the last one other than the Masters I'll play this year. And then I really have been pumped on just being able to, to run and organize Matterhorn. And 
been happy to see the the registration list come up. I think you know we're probably going to be pretty easily at twenty pros. I'd like to get between twenty five and thirty, but we've had a few names that I haven't seen before already register as pros. So cool. I think that's good. I'm excited to be part of the you know the WMF World Adventure Golf Tour, and because that's really in swing now. So yep. you know. Um, yeah, that's it. I mean, it's it is we're doing so much. Half of these, I'm like, oh yeah, we we got that one coming up. We got that one coming up. It's hard to to keep track, even when you're you're running it. But I'm just um, excited. It's a little bit sad to hear about the the putt putt there. And I mean, you never know how that goes. But yeah, for better or for worse. I mean, let's get one last hurrah at at a minimum there. Here, here. Uh, let's let's close it out. It's uh, we got one more thing. In our last episode, we shouted out our sponsors, but I'll let uh, Pat do the sponsor shout out this time, if you would like, to yeah. our friends at Walkabout. Our friends at Walkabout, obviously, we have talked about it many times. It's our favorite virtual reality game. It's our favorite virtual reality mini golf game. And true to form, they are just cranking out courses. So they recently announced that um, next Thursday from, you know, when we're recording this September 7th, they're going to have Alfheim, which is the land of the elves. If it sounds familiar, um, it's might be because, you know, your Nordic lore. So they actually just put out a, a video on their YouTube and the different socials where it talks about the nine realms. So anybody who's big into the Thor movies, this is actually the land of the second movie, which I know was not really well regarded, but <laughs> the dark elves come from there as well. And I guess, you know, it's got a, from the pictures and stuff that we've seen, it's got a very also Lord of the Rod, Lord of the Rings kind of uh, Rivendale vibe. So, you know, really excited to see this. I was texting Tom after I saw the video and I was wondering, well, does this mean we're going to get all nine realms? I mean, I guess we already kind of have some earthly realms, but like I'll take, a, you know, some of those other Nordic uh, type views, the, the land of the ice giants or, you know, different places like that. They haven't really announced that, but it just seems the way they kind of set this up that maybe that's a possibility, which I think is pretty cool. So as always, go out there. We were, you know, get yourself an, an Oculus or PSVR if you haven't. I mean, all things considered, the, the cost is, is pretty reasonable. And especially if you're like us and you're about to hit the winter months before you know it, it's a really great tool to have on there. The base game comes with a lot of courses. The downloads are pretty cheap. And I always like to say, you know, when I look at the cost of what I spend on whether it's other video game systems or even really just traveling to one mini golf tournament this year, I could buy myself an Oculus and play this game whenever I want. So shout out to them. Big thanks to them. And it was really cool to see them sponsoring also the WMF and having their logo on all of the world championship yes. stuff that I got to see when I was over in Sweden as well. So I think we've got a great relationship between in real life and virtual reality mini golf with our friends at Walkabout. Here, here. And like I said, we'll be announcing another virtual event on Walkabout as well as Putt 18 in the coming weeks. And Pat, that was a great point just talking about. I was telling people in our local league last night, some people don't want to travel and we completely understand that. We don't want to force people to try to travel and spend more money than they need to to win the AMA. We want people to get as many points as they can, which is why we have these virtual events. If you can be really good at Walkabout, 
and putt 18 and do a modest amount of traveling, you can do well. Kyle Corsi's a great example of that. He's been crushing it on putt 18 in the World Pro League. He's been getting really good at walkabout. He went up and won in Maine and played well in Farmington. I think those are examples of people where they're playing just enough tournaments where they're going to get a really good finish. And as the AMA grows, we really want to recognize those people that are doing exceptionally well, but just everybody across the board. Ideally, people can meet up at these tournaments in real life and keep those relationships going along and putt 18 and walkabout. So thanks for walkabout for partnering and seeing the value of connecting people through the fun of mini golf. So we'll wrap up our two episode arc here with some big thoughts, mini golf. So being part of the organizing crew and not a player at the world championships this year, gave me a real inside view into how much a high level competition is really a team effort to make successful. From the local club to the Swedish Federation to the WMF, there were countless amount of volunteers and even some paid support staff who did just an absolute array of administrative and support tasks that made the tournament work. And a lot of that stuff you may never see as a player, but you felt it because of how smooth it goes. And it may be mini golf, but I'd argue that the emotions and the tension, it's just as big, if not bigger, than most big golf tournaments where Nearly every putt can decide if you win a medal or not. When there's country pride on the line, it just pushes it to be that much further. So all of that, even though I didn't take one putt on any of the courses that were played in the World Championship, it just really made me energized to push the level of the tournaments here in the U.S. and for us to bring everything we can to the world stage in the coming years from a U.S. perspective. And with that, we're at the 19th hole. So until next time, putt one ready. I'm ready.